0: Listening to a millennial's guide to modern life with Freckles and Blue, a podcast produced by two friends discussing our generation's biggest issues. From WhatsApp to the World Wide Web, we want you to know that you're not alone. Enjoy the show. Enjoy the show.
1: Hello and welcome to episode 5. Episode 5 of Freckles and Blue. <laughs> a Millennials Guide to Modern Life. Um today we are discussing why do we write? Why we write. This is a good subject. It's a great subject. And it is something I have thought about loads um from like a really young age. Really? Um, Yeah, I remember in a class once discussing why we write journals. Like why do people write? Have you always had a journal? journal? So I try I think actually one of our exercises was to write a journal every day. And I just remember being really self-conscious of the idea of writing. A journal like I almost felt like it was for public display but it wasn't but it wasn't but I did write with a certain element of self-consciousness yeah. of kind of like performing in yeah. the journal
0: I think when you're young that's particularly true because it unless it's something that comes very naturally to you you do sort of expect it to be read and so there is a part of you that
1: maybe you hang on to yeah or you like try to be Funny or tr- you just you don't really come across as natural. I yeah. Find. How old were you when you started journaling? I think I was nine. Really? Yeah. That's young. That's quite young, isn't it? And then, so I don't write a journal, and I haven't, and I think the practice of writing a journal is quite good. Hmm. Um, but what I do now is I have like a diary, which basically tells me what I'm up to every day. Yeah. Um. And if I had gone to a dinner and someone said something really funny, I'd write down that quote really so then like keep track of it all yes I keep I like look back on it and be like oh yeah I remember that dinner and then I remember the quote and like maybe I would develop that into like a funny short story or something but I wouldn't actually physically write a sort of I ate this for breakfast and then I went like that, just like it's, never, has existed. In me. It's quite
0: funny actually. When you're young, like I've never been a journaler, yeah. like at all. Um, I used to love creative writing when I was younger. Love, love, loved it. Mainly because I've got such an overactive imagination, so it was such an easy way to get that out to put it on paper. But when it came to journaling, I didn't know what to write. I I did have a journal once or twice. I'm one of those girls, especially when I was young. Yeah. I was determined to be a journaler, to have a diary and all my friends were doing it. And it's one of those silly things. It's like keeping up with the Joneses. You don't want to be left out. Like I also remember all my friends had um, a favorite toy and I just was one of those people that never had a favorite toy. So I remember stealing 10 pounds off my dad once (laughs) and then like um, hoodwinking our or like nanny or someone when I was really really young to take me to a local toy shop to buy a toy and then I came back and declared that this toy was my favourite toy and it lasted about a month I got bored and threw it out what toy was it? it was
1: a dog called Fetch it oh was my so God, that's cute Z. I had a yo-yo
0: yeah
1: <laughs> it's a favourite toy
0: <laughs> oh my gosh but, but like I do like it's the journaling just did not come naturally to me and every time I tried it was so forced it was a natural tool I wrote as though i was going to be read and it was very much like i ate this for breakfast and my brother really annoyed me at lunch and Mm. i read a book before dinner
1: and that was it but if you do write something and it's not it's not you know you're not writing for someone else you're writing for yourself It's so personal, and I just feel like someone's going to read that shit. You're going to leave it somewhere, Mm. someone's going to read that, and then they're just like, they're into your soul.
0: You know, another really weird thing about the very few times in my life that I have journaled is by utter coincidence, it has always happened around really traumatic
1: times in my life. I was just about to say this. Really? Is that same for you? Yeah, I find it really, I find it cathartic. Really? See, I, so, um, I remember I actually do have a diary
0: that I must have gone out and bought myself and like declared for the hundredth time that I would stick to it and I would do it. And it was when I was 14. So when we were at school and it was the lead up to when, um, a very good friend died. And I just remember writing, I I actually going back and reading it now. Like Mm. I had these journal entries for a few months before and, and even when this um, disaster happened, um, I was journaling about it and I knew that my friend was in that country. And I didn't, at that point, I didn't know until two weeks later that she'd been killed. But like, I've got this interior monologue about the whole event. And then I remember the day that I found out, I just wrote in my diary, she died. And then I never went back to it. And now when I go back and read it, it's like the most intimate and scary scarily coincidental um
1: account of such a traumatic time in my life yeah that's really interesting though because I think that you well I find I write in a diary when again something traumatic has happened Mm -hmm. but it's because I don't necessarily feel ready to talk to someone about it depending on what it is so for you like maybe you wrote in your diary because that was your form of cathartism Mm -hmm. so you were kind of Letting out your emotions, but not to certainly not to an outlet that was going to respond back to you. Yeah. Um, so I when I went I went through a terrible breakup, got it two years ago? Yeah. Um, Almost <laughs> two years ago. I was like, Whoa. <laughs> um, that was pretty traumatic. And and during, you know, like a breakup's never like a second. Like during mm. the process of the breakup, I wrote letters to nobody, but I really? pretended I was writing to someone. Um, which is really interesting in itself because like I obviously oh, wanted you to. You have speak... told me about this actually. Yeah, so it was almost like an epistolary novel. Yeah. But I wasn't actually being responded to. Yeah. But I think I didn't I wasn't able to eloquently vocalise what I was feeling. Yeah. And I've always found it much easier to write it down and as we were talking about the other day, um, sort of like consider your words. Yeah. Whereas when you speak sometimes it's just like a splurge. (laughs) (laughs) So I found that really interesting that I would use it so I guess that is a form of sort of a diary. Um, Yeah. Anyway, on that subject, I guess the other way we the reason why we write is we do write letters to your boyfriend, your girlfriend. Mm. um, and even like WhatsApp is like Yeah, mini letters isn't it I know
0: nowadays the idea of putting pen to paper is like terrifyingly old old school yeah but um you know everything that we do especially online it's it's the same form of communication which is so it's actually worse when you write a letter it is more considered it's more concise you think about things you try and get your point across it's more you communicate better Mm. nowadays we're so as we've spoken about before everything's sort of instant and so me sending you a whatsapp it can so easily be miscommunicated yeah because you might interpret it completely wrong based on your frame of mind or the context or the fact that i haven't put much thought into my message and then suddenly boom everyone's getting the wrong
1: idea of everything so true um and the courtly like the old school courtly idea of love is they would suddenly fall in love and then write you this like mind-blowingly romantic Letter. Mm. Um, I'd love to get a romantic letter. I've received it, I have, and I've received a few love letters. Who are you dating? <laughs> why didn't I keep them? Um, from <laughs> Send our, them my way. I want a love letter. My first boyfriend, he was a bit older and he sent me a love letter whilst I was at university. Really? And it was so sweet. Like, it was so sweet. Like, it was all about the little things. And yeah. you could totally tell, like, you know, he was speaking from yeah. the heart or what he, the, you know, the reasons why he liked me. They were not reasons that anyone else should like me. <laughs> um, and I kept it. Probably just sort of narcissistically but also as like a kind of like reminder
0: oh I don't think that's narcissistic I think that's more you know the fact that another human being saw such like beauty and light in you it's a lovely thing I'd keep that too it just reminds I think nowadays like you know along with things like social media and like this very fast-paced life that we live like it's you know it's very easy to believe that you're not enough yeah. and like when someone sees something in you like that really sees you it's it's really quite jarring mm. and um and like i i sometimes feel like especially talking about dating that um i don't believe i don't have trust issues despite the re- many reasons i should have trust issues in my past um boyfriends but a uh, charming one. They're really really charming <laughs> crazy <laughs> ones. But um I generally don't have trust issues. I find it very very easy to trust people. I'm very open. I'm very like giving in that way but the one thing I definitely have trust issues in is that I don't always believe the nice things that that guys say. So mm. when someone might say oh you know blue <laughs> you're you're beautiful, you're kind or you're this or you're that like I sort of smile and I sort of you know say thank you and I just think oh that's really nice but they don't
1: mean it uh do you take compliments easily uh, easily or well well I uh, can't take a compliment I know you can't you're so funny
0: you're so funny um I'm and better than you I'm mm. better than you like I, I I can take them it's taken like most of my 20s to learn how to take a compliment but I can take them but I think um taking them and believing them is two different things yeah, and I good point. I rarely believe them like even if like the guy I've given my heart to suddenly turns around and says, "Oh, you're beautiful. You're amazing. You're this," and, and I just I'm so happy to hear it. But I, I take it not just with a pinch of salt, with a bucket.
1: Yeah. So, would you say in the written form, it's more of an it's more of a confirmation of what they are actually saying? Would you believe it more? Yeah. Yeah. Because it's written.
0: Yeah, I definitely think I would. It's like, if someone wrote that to me, I would. Well, I mean, they. It's, the problem is, like, you know, it's very easy to just send a WhatsApp saying you're great, I love you, and someone could not mean that at all. Whereas, you know, actually saying it to your face is a different thing. So, I mean, there's pros and cons with both forms of communication. I don't really know which one I trust more. I feel like a
1: letter is even like higher. Oh yeah, no one does is like that you anymore. Make, you literally you lick that envelope and put a stamp on it, so <laughs>
0: it's got your DNA on. Yeah, it. it's be yeah,
1: how to get yeah. <laughs> Um, But there is like another A total other element to it Like someone's put the effort to put pen to paper I also love seeing someone's handwriting Yeah, I know that sounds a bit creepy Yeah but have you seen mine? Yeah I have No I rarely ever write it Like it's pretty awful Oh really? I look like a spastic (laughs) I I received a thank you letter recently from this guy um, Who is one of my very good friends And Mm. he's very manly And upon reading this letter I was like Did a child. Right that a child who's just like yeah. learned bubble writing okay. and I was like oh mine's
0: it? quite okay. bubbly
1: <laughs> you I are not girl, in the like, marines okay no no that's true that's true. No. no I'm kidding um so I do find it interesting the aesthetics of someone's handwriting um and I know there's those of psychological studies of like you know you can study someone's handwriting and like are they like a direct person or a shy mm. person um but I think that adds to letter writing and the specialness of like receiving a letter from someone. That's
0: amazing. Have you watched, um,
1: talking about handwriting and
0: stuff, have you watched, and I'm having a total mind blank now. I can't remember what it's called. Uh, Unabomber. No. In Netflix, on Netflix. So it's such a good series. It's all based on the Unabomber, um, you know, in, I think it's seventies or something, uh, in America. And it's a guy who used to put um, a serial killer who used to put bombs in the post. And um, anyway, it's it's a, it's a fictional story. Well, it's not fictional. It's you know fictionally created, but it's yeah. all based on on fact and like a, a real um, uh, incident and a real guy and everything like that. And what's really interesting about it is it, it the big part of the show focuses on the beginning of um, linguistic forensics. Ooh, fascinating. And it's re- and it's they they managed to find the guy out of all the millions and millions of people um, in the US because he he didn't have like um, a specific. A target each target was so different they couldn't they couldn't like join them together there were no obvious links mm. and they ended up finding him all based down on forensic linguistics oh, and it was just it was all about writing and words and stuff like that and it's so interesting like just from that point and it was the beginning of an entire new branch in the fbi and nowadays forensic linguistics is like quite a big thing but back then
1: that's how it began it's very very interesting so um i'm I'm, like, fascinated with the power of words. And yeah. The effect it can have. And um, I can literally be... I don't, I'm not going to take away that word literally. I can metaphorically be undressed by a sentence. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. So, anyone listening, that's how to get freckles into bed. <laughs> I am so seduced by a good yeah. sentence. Yeah. By, like, the aesthetic placement of words, the choice of words. Yeah. Um, and I love... I mean, that's why I loved my degree, and, mm. and I just completely love receiving letters. Equally, I've sent a love letter. Have um you? It wasn't like romantic, this is, oh my God, I love your eyes. <laughs> um, but I I was in San, where was I? No, I was in Italy. And I bought a postcard, and I wrote a letter to someone inappropriate. <laughs> <laughs> your dating life is hysterical. And I loved it. I also loved the fact that I knew he was going to open that and be like... And I used a pseudonym for myself. I signed off with a pseudonym. Freckles. It was something along those lines. (laughs) And I knew that he would receive it. And there is something incredibly sexy about the kind of reverting back to pen and paper. Yeah. Um, You know, um, talking about, like,
0: modern versions of that, like, isn't it crazy how now we're in more contact with each other and random people around the world than ever before and and so we're communicating you know 10 times more than in the past and yet we're not we're not communicating the same way like I feel like communication has changed so hugely like we're of the tech era aren't Mm. we like you know we were young enough to be to grow up playing outdoors and you know being more sort of I don't know out out there more authentically natural kids and no. like I didn't have a mobile phone until I was like 13 or 14 it was one of the old school Nokias oh and the then, big ones yeah I didn't have a laptop Snake. until I was like 16 and like it was still dial up internet do you remember when we were in I remember school? the noise it's like a yeah. all safe yeah for sure and like it wasn't until we were like 18 that like the tech industry um, really exploded and then um and now we're in constant contact with everybody and yet we're communicating less do you remember when you could
1: send an image for the first time on your Nokias yeah but it cost like three quid a go yeah but it was like a big deal who you sent it to like you mean this much to me I'm I'm using my My, texting three pounds no money a month to send send you a photo photo. and now it's just like yeah, screenshot and sending but we don't communicate in the same way but I think that's a really good point and especially the premise of why we've done this podcast is that we send each other voice notes Mm. and we've said it so many times like a voice I only voice note People that i'm really close with because they're unmeasured and they're unguarded and there's kind of uh, immediacy to it yeah whereas obviously the te- the written word in a text you know you can go back and delete it yeah you can put your comma there and like punctuation changes the entire yeah function of a sentence um so I think that's, like, I love texting. I still love texting, but I tend to text. I never voice know people I'm dating. Yeah. Um, and again... I, I feel privileged. Good, I love a good message. <laughs> um, but the power of a good text is, is, makes such a difference. Yeah, it really, really does. I
0: so agree with that. So, okay, let's talk about more why we write in,
1: in other So aspects. one of the things I find really interesting is that I personally write in kind of like, if, I, if I'm in a moment and I want to relive that moment. Yeah. So almost to sort of taste life twice. I love um, that. Or in like retrospection. So you've experienced the moment and you're trying desperately to like replicate that moment on paper. Mm. Um, yeah.
0: But your background is much more journalistic, isn't it? Yeah. So, so from that respect, like why, why do you write as a journalist? Why do you write? Is it to to like taste life twice or is it to like formulate your thoughts or is it to um, immortalize something?
1: Yeah. So I feel when I write, it's like my best form of communication. Um, so it's my best medium. Um, and I like taking the time to organize my thoughts and construct them, in a way that is really concise Mm -hmm. and I like choosing I love spending the time choosing the appropriate word um and I I love reading as well like I love I find I can really tell someone's personality when it comes across like through the choice of words that they've they've decided to choose.
0: So when we were talking about this before before the podcast, we sort of came – well, we were sort of formulating our ideas and talking about our own experiences and stuff, and we sort of came up with the idea – not the idea. We sort of realized that when you write, it's more of an external – um, form like it, it, you're getting all your thoughts out and it's mm. how you sort of immortalise and you
1: I imagine is the opposite the and exact you, it's opposite. all about creation
0: yeah so for me writing is so internal so internal I am the polar opposite of you in that way so I write to um, figure out myself to process my emotions to deal with like um trauma or struggles and to like um explore like things that I'm interested in or or like other ways of thinking other perspectives like it is the most internal thing for me writing and when we were having this discussion before we started recording everything you said I just remember like like shaking my head and just thinking no, 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 no (laughs) to everything you said, because for me it is the exact opposite. Yeah. And that is, that is why I write. It is, you know, and, and it's for me, like everything that I do is all about creation and creating things. And like, I, I think maybe because of my love of acting and stuff, like I love really putting myself in other people's shoes. Like Mm. of, um, the characters in my book, I write from four of their perspectives and, by far, this is going to say something weird about me, but by far the easiest one to write for, like it literally just flows from my fingers. Like it's, it's that like um, natural and authentic is my 74 year old man like it's so easy I, I write from two women and two men's point of view and all different ages from 14 up to 74 but I hands down my favorite and the easiest one to write from is the 74 year old man like I when and even when you're reading like I think there's something about those chapters when you when you're reading my book you get more sucked in and, and I I don't know, the character is a very complex, very interesting guy anyway. Yeah. And there is something very, very alluring about him. Um, But, you know, equally, my other characters have those aspects too, but there's something about his chapters that does really suck you in, and I think that's because, for me, it was the most natural way of writing. So I have two questions to ask you based on that.
1: Yeah. Okay, so one... um, Am I a 74-year-old man? Well, (laughs) kind (laughs) of. No, I'm I'm fascinated by... um, Females writing as males and males writing as females. Mm. So I, um, an old colleague actually introduced me to William Boyd. Yeah. And there's a book I love called Sweet Caress. And it's William Boyd writing as a woman. And I just found that absolutely fascinating. And if you didn't know William Boyd wrote the novel, you would never know yeah. that this was a male writing as a female. He like got all... like I just genuinely thought that yeah. this character was so well-developed. So I'm really intrigued to see how you felt writing from that perspective
0: so um there's definitely um i I, I honestly this is going to sound strange but i found it a lot easier to write from the men's uh perspectives than i did from the females do you think it's just distancing yourself maybe from being a female yeah also i think you have to get into a particular mindset to write from a man's point of view yeah um and even though obviously i am a female like it's it's just yeah, it's trickier to put yourself in a woman's mindset. Like mm. and I know that sounds so crazy because I have no experience of being a man, but it was so much easier. The other thing is that um if slash when, when, let's go with when, when I get published, like my I'm not when I'm not writing under were. my name. <laughs> exactly. Let's attract that into my life. Um, I'm not writing under my name as my name stands. I'm writing uh, under my initials. Yeah. So, because I don't want anybody to know that I am a woman because especially when you read my book, you would generally think like, um, I know this This goes down to like setting and context and stuff like that, which is all very relevant within the, the world that I've mm. created. But actually my, you, I, I am the very few people that I have actually given um, chapters or parts of the book to them and they've read it, they've all said the same thing. It sounds like it's been written by like a 50, 60 something year old man. And I like that because that I think is my style. And so because my natural style probably due to the books that I read Mm. is more of a sort of traditional old school, very, um, like, like the way I write is very like lyrical, like there's music to it. Like when I write, I always play it back to myself. And um, for me, it's about the beat. Like the sentences have to complement each other. And I can't have too many sentences in a row um, mm. with the same sort of melody, the same beat. And, and if there are, I'd I stop it and I throw something in to like oh, bring I the reader that. back. And so one of the, for me when I read and definitely for me when I write, it's, it's very musical yeah, like I yes, the words and the vocabulary and you know your choice of adverbs and and this that and the other is so important. But actually, I things work for
1: me if the the beat is right. But that's kind of like rhetorical theory, like that, like the way a word sounds. Like it's a bit like poetry. You know, mm. why do you like poetry? Is the way it feels, the way it makes you feel when you read it, the way it's yeah. spoken, um, and that's so much of theatre. I mean, look at Shakespeare. Like every single you know, the scanning off the lines. I, I love, like, okay, I'm going to start, but I love that. <laughs> um, but it's so interesting. So I feel like it's, if it were me and I'd written this book, like writing from a male's perspective would almost be quite a comforting form of escapism because writing mm-hmm. as a female, I'm always, I'm always self-conscious that I'm too female in yeah. the way I write. Or like, i Maybe I'm that's why I find it easier yeah. then. Yeah. And then speaking of escapism, my second question was going to be, um, so, you're all about creation and creating another reality. And when I was younger, and I still do, I loved Harry Potter, um, and I loved Lord of the biggest Rings. And biggest And fan. I loved Philip Pullman. Ah, uh, yes. And I don't know, I can't remember who the author is. Um, oh Garth Nix it was um Sabriel and Um Abhorsen There's a hot like a mm. trilogy of books, and it's quite similar to you know the other um, kind of trend of escapism, and yeah, and a lot of it. The comforting reality thing for me was it was kind of suspending your disbelief and entering a totally um, alien um, world that Mm. was obviously magical. Yeah. Um, Is there an element of creating a reality, a new reality for you to escape? Uh, this reality. Oh God, a hundred percent. Like
0: uh, for me, the, the books and the show, the TV shows, the films, movies, everything, every form of, um, creativity and imagination that I'm particularly drawn to is something that is rooted in realism, but is, is very much of the sort of alternative reality thing. And like I, my book is very much rooted in realism yeah. because that's the kind of story that I love. So, so for example, there are, I remember, um, there's, um, a, because the setting of my book, it's sort of set in, it's the, it's a little bit complicated to go into and I don't want to give too much away, yeah. but it's, um, there is almost like a time warp. So I have to write very factually for mm-hmm. this period of time, this period of history, because it's alternative history. So in that respect, everything has to be on point, it has to be accurate, down to the T. And so I remember, right, I just needed to write one line about a drink that I had made up in, yeah. my, in my world. But it had to, the, the drink was fictional, but the way it was made had to be accurate because everything else in my book, other than the very, very... Um, like subtle undertone of fantasy and it's very very subtle in the first book in the next two books it'll become more but there's very little surrealism in it and so I did two days of research on how to make spirits in the middle ages so I could write one line I could tell you all about it if you wanted to but I know that'd be boring so like definitely like it's you know my I wrote to get away from reality for me and like over the period of two years where I was writing, like this became my world became more real to me than Mm. our, our world. And like, and nowadays like even, even now, like sometimes I might go home after we've done this and I'll suddenly have this like feeling like I, I want to go, home home and for me that means I want to be in my world I want to be with my people and Mm. it is so real to me and I think for me my biggest dream my biggest aspiration with my book with my writing is I don't care about success I don't care about money I don't care about any of that I want to create a world that other people are as drawn to as I am Mm. I want it to be as real to them as it is for me
1: And I think it it ties in with, you know, your obsession with creation. Yeah. Um, You love creating new things. And there's something incredibly exciting about creating something new. I feel like in today's world, it's very hard to create something new no matter what industry you work in. Like, Mm -hmm. so much has been covered. And I was thinking about this when I wrote my dissertation. I was like... I've got to find something new to argue. Everyone has like <laughs> done everything. I was like, yeah. whatever's new to write about is going to be fucking boring.
0: But remember, um, is, as much as that is so true and so relevant to the current times. Mm-hmm. Um, everyone's different. Like that the beauty of humanity is that everyone is different Mm. and our minds work differently. Our souls are different. Our hearts are different. And so like your perspective is going to be completely different to someone else's. Mm. And I know it makes it hard to find original content in this world of plenty, but um, there is, you know, in a sense, anything that anybody puts out there is original on some level because it's
1: their own perspective and your own opinion. I remember this other book that I loved as a kid. Um, it was called The Min Pins. What's that? And it's the guy runs away from home and he meets this entire new um, form of tiny people that live in the trees. Oh my God, cute. And no, I loved it. But I think the reason why I loved it was it really... Um, Chimed in with my imagination Mm. And I often During the day Sweep off into like Bizarre daydreams And I do I think of like (laughs) Really really weird stuff And Give us an example It's like very very childlike um, give you an example. I mean you'd be walking down the street and you sort of collapse into the sinkhole and then you've gone into a parallel universe <laughs> um, I, I do I think of very 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 weird shit yeah um or sometimes I'm walking down the street and I imagine the beginning of a movie like and I visualize where the director should be and where the main character should be like I do like, that yeah and I was gonna say when we were ready, both very visual people yeah and I I'm obsessed with film and I often, imagine at work how things are visually rather than on paper Um, so I think from that perspective it's really interesting but I do think that people love to use and they don't often use their imagination and Mm. so this idea of creating new worlds kind of just gives people a sense of relief Um, and that's why at the end of the day people like to go watch Netflix um, because it's just kind of, you can just switch off your brain and just enjoy something else. So I think as a, as a person, I'm incredibly disillusioned
0: with reality. And, um, you know, obviously I, I love my life. I love the world. I, 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 love living, but, um, it actually is a struggle for me. I'm getting much better at it, but it really is a struggle to be in the present, to be in the here and now and to really appreciate it for what it is. I'm definitely learning Mm. um but it has been hard because i do tend to find more peace more engagement more um like interest and curiosity in other people's worlds that's why for me books are everything films are everything i mean to to see the world whether it's based um on reality or not Mm. to see the world through someone else's eyes is the most fascinating Fascinating. thing you can ever do and it just fuels your imagination and and I think everybody on some level whether they're aware of it or not um, understands that like that is why you go to work and you work really hard and then you come back home and then you sit and watch Netflix yeah. for such a long time. That's why things like period dramas and like fantasy films and stuff like that are so, are so popular. Mm. Um, it's why certain books sell more than others. It's, you know, people like escapism. They like mm. um, a break from reality. And, um, you know, the difference is that I think some of us get as much of a kick from creating it as we do from uh, indulging in it. I think also
1: as a creator, you act as manipulator, don't you? Mm-hmm. Like you you're, do play God; it's quite fun. You, you play God, yeah. You're like puppeteer, yeah. um, which is really interesting. I really like Christopher Nolan um, as a director; he's fantastic. Yeah, and I'm really obsessed with his. Like, if you look at the sort of like range of his films, the main theme throughout is time. Always, um, like in I, Dunkirk. Yeah, and um, I'm like obsessed with this idea of like. Going backwards and forwards in time. Um, And where was I going with this? (laughs) Directive. Um, I know where I was going. Um, Inception. Um, oh, one of the best films ever. And this ever. idea that... The Hans Zimmer s-
0: soundtrack, I oh, write God. to it. Do you? So, so one of the songs from that, sorry to button, but Listen one of the songs they... from um, Inception is a Hans Zimmer song called Time. And I have oh, that... that. I've yeah, got that. Yeah, I have it on repeat as I write, especially from one of my characters. When I'm writing from his perspective, that's the song I have on repeat. And then when I write for someone else's, I have another one, like
1: cinematic soundtracks are life. Oh, Spotify to me is like my world. It's the best, isn't Literally it? Literally my world. it Inception's a fantastic film. What would be... Okay, no, we'll have to discuss this afterwards, but just for a second, think about what your song would be if you were, like, in a movie and, like, it's the opening scene. What would be your, like... Oh, my God. just too much to choose from. Think about that while I remind you what I was going to say about Inception. Okay, Inception. (laughs) So, like, going... Like, you... What? You go into, like, your dream... Like, a dream world. Yeah. And I watched this advert for a new series coming out on Netflix... With Jonah Hill and Emma Stone. Mm-hmm. That's her last name, yeah. Um, And it's this idea that they go, they get sort of put to sleep and they go into their dreams. Um, That's very inceptionally. Very inceptionally. But I think this is like, I'm seeing more and more things like this today. Yeah. And I think it is because people just love this, like a Game of Thrones, this like yeah. weird i mean, a love game that's not weird at all but like George this, like- R. R. Martin is my inspiration I actually
0: write very similar to him oh really? that would be my my most similar style if you write if you read a chapter of mine and read a chapter of his probably because he he is my god yeah and I have read those books like five times all of them um I think my
1: style is incredibly similar it's so fascinating um who was it was it J. R. Tolkien is it J. R. Tolkien who yeah um he apparently based it on the fact that he like made up Elvish and he like just actually wrote the story around the language yeah I may have got that wrong but that's what I think that's amazing if he did making up a language oh my gosh yeah fascinating (laughs) I did I did um, a witchcraft module at university did you actually yeah I loved it I would love to do that I really really loved it oh my Um, god if you've still got the notes you have to give them to me yeah it was it was fascinating I would have been burned at the stake (laughs) maybe because of your red hair. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly why. Um okay, so I also wanted to touch upon the way you read books. Yeah. Um so when I read books, I underline sentences. Do you? I stop, I get But you studied in uh, like English. Well I think I've always You're done very it. analytical. I get blown away by a perfect sentence and I sit down and I underline it. And someone in my family also did this. Yeah. Which I find fascinating because when I go home and I'll steal a book from home and as I'm going through it, I've noticed that somebody else has underlined sentences and written comments in
0: in the... Have you asked around? Do you
1: know which of your family members is doing this? I think it's my great grandfather. Wow. And I find that fascinating because it's like you're in a time warp. Mm. And you're sitting next to that person reading and commenting. Yes. Um, and I often like think about what he's underlined and I'm like, do we share the same viewpoint on this or has he yeah. got a completely other viewpoint? And literally it's like words have had the power to stop time because yeah. I stopped in this at the end of that sentence. But before the end of the paragraph. Yeah. Yeah to go back and have a look at it
0: oh for sure and like your, gran- your great-grandfather did the same however many decades
1: ago yeah and like if you think of the power of words like mm-hmm. and like speeches and like like the whole you know look at politicians and yeah. like house of Commons, like it's just a battle of like words rhetoric is the
0: most the most powerful medium i think that we have and like i won't lie like having written a novel myself like there is there is something incredibly alluring about the fact that my world will outlive me. Yeah. Like, I mean, that's, you know, going on the basis that I'm published which I will be one day Yay! um but you know it, it's uh, my world will outlive me like my my characters my people the struggle they're going through the oppression the the you know even like the joy they find in their incredibly difficult lives like you know all of that will live on past me and I I, I kind of love that like I know I haven't um, <laughs> got married or had kids or anything. Mm. Um, and, you know, maybe I will go on to do that. And my children, and my great-grandchildren will live past me too. But at this age, at 28 and single, I have something that will outlast me and that is bigger than me. And I love that. I love having something bigger
1: than me. Yeah, it's like you're trapped in, in the words, yeah. like a legacy.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's, it's massively like a legacy. And I, I mean that in the most unarrogant way. Um, but it's, there is something quite comforting in the fact that I've I've got something that will live past me and something that I can I can give to other people and it will live on in its own right in its own entity I like that so it's really good I
1: find it quite hard to um write long forms I love writing short stories essays yeah um and it's bad because I'm a perfectionist I like go over each sentence and I like go back over it so like the the prospect the concept of having to write a whole novel that terrifies me
0: well um, again I'm the complete opposite I mean <laughs> I didn't I didn't think I'd, I'd find it as easy as I did to find to, to write an entire novel but um, I wrote 200,000 words and an agent won't even look at me unless I'm under 150 so I then had to cut a quarter of my book
1: oh but editing is like half the chapter
0: oh, it? it was the worst thing I ever did having written so much like gone above and beyond I then had to cut and even at like 150 I'm pushing it but at least an agent will take me on at 150 and probably make me cut another 20,000 words or 30,000 words. Um, But, you know, the idea of writing an essay or a short story, just, I wouldn't be able to do it. And I I have no interest in it. Like I want to write something... Bigger, like I, I i would find it too difficult. I really would, yeah. It'd be so, I you and I are so different in terms That's of so why funny. we write, <laughs> yeah. I'm like, an A4 side is just perfect. That's probably why I did so badly and all my um sort of like further education and stuff like that. I can't, I can't write short things like an essay, like, you're like um, give me a day, <laughs> yeah. not an hour. <laughs> also, also, I need like six months, you know, to write like 200,000 words. I can't, I can't do like. You know, how long's an essay?
1: (laughs) I don't even know. Oh, God. It can be anything from like 2,000 words up.
0: Yeah, I can't, you know, to give give me two days to write that, not going to (laughs) happen. Especially on something I've no idea what I'm writing about. (laughs) So, not going to
1: happen at all. Um, Okay, Blue, I think we should wrap up. Um, What would be your takeaway from today's session? Um,
0: Oh, God. It's a hard one. It's been quite personal, this episode. Yeah. Um, So, I would say that. Um, my takeaway would be that everyone does things a different way and there is no right or wrong way to live life or to do anything whether you're writing or just trying to like struggle through your day um, you know there is no right or wrong way to do yeah. anything at all and a lot of people do get like hung up on um if they're doing things right, if they're moving along at the right pace, if they're achieving enough, like all that kind of stuff. Like I just think it goes to show that you can achieve anything. Mm. Um and you know the way you do it is right. You don't need to compare yourself with other people and you also don't need to race other people. Yeah. People get hung up on that.
1: Yeah, that's so true. What would yours be? So I think so I think to my sort of reason why I write is to heighten my awareness of life. Kind. Yeah. Um and I also do do it to sort of live life twice. Like in a kind I of I love that. In like a form of retrospect live life twice. Um but again, like I think my takeaway would be it's all subjective. So it's what makes you happy. Like, why do you read? Why bother reading if it's a shit book? Don't read it. Yeah. Like, you've got to pick and choose. And Um, you can
0: use that mentality with anything in life, can't you? Yeah. Like, do whatever lights you up. Do whatever makes you happy in whatever way you choose to do it. Like, you don't need to conform.
1: Got to be lit up. Got to be lit up. I'm so embarrassed. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, I think that ends our session. Until next time. Until next time.
0: you've been listening to a millennial's guide to modern life with freckles and blue give us some love if you like what you've heard subscribe to stay up to date with new content and remember to check back in soon we'll be back we'll be back